0: What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. I think we all agree we aren't where we are today by happy chance or accident. We are where we are. Because God's put us there for a reason bigger than us. My prayer for you is that the Lord would bless you there. He would bless you as you lead, and he would cause you to lead in such a way to be a blessing to those around you. And that's what we're going to talk about today on episode 157 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast. If I've never met you before, I am honored to be on this journey with you. My name is Mike Lynch, and I am so excited for this episode. I think you're going to love it. We're going to be talking today about how the Lord blesses and how, even in Scripture, going all the way back to the book of Genesis, that God has created this word blessing in and, and its meanings to matter in how we lead and how we serve and how we love. Pastor Terry Smith is the author of the brand new book, devotional, The Lord Bless You. It's just come out, and we're going to have links in our show notes. Pastor Terry has served as the lead pastor of the Life Christian Church for 31 years. They've got campuses all over New Jersey, What I love about Pastor Terry is he is out. He leads with his faith out in front. His last book, I believe we were episode 28, we talked about The Hospitable Leader, and it was one of the most popular episodes we've ever done because people had never thought about leadership that way through the life of Christ and I think you're going to feel very very similar as you look at what the word blessing means and what it means to be a blessing. I think you're going to love it. So, I want you to pull up a chair. I want you to buckle up because I think this is going to be a fun one. So, pull out something to write with, pull out something to write on and and let's get ready for a great Time together with Pastor Terry Smith talking about the Lord bless you, his brand new book that just came out. Well, Pastor Terry, thank you so much for joining me again on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an
1: honor to have you. Thank you, Mike. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you.
0: It seems like just yesterday I had you on and I look back and it was doggone. It was episode 24, which has been a minute. What's been the biggest thing as you look back in the rearview mirror over these past few years, even since we've talked, the biggest thing the Lord's been teaching you, what's been fresh in your journey that the Lord's been teaching you over these past few years?
1: I think I would say um, probably how to enjoy the journey Hmm. in spite of circumstances, um, in spite of facing things that you absolutely cannot control. Like for me, as is true of so many of us, uh, the whole 2020 reality, the pandemic, uh, the challenges of that year, just in general, societally, et cetera. And um, if you, if your attitude every day is determined by what you read in the newspaper um, or how many people are showing up on Sunday morning as a lead pastor You're not, you're not going to be a very happy guy. (laughs) So I I would say that I I would say just learning to just appreciate every moment, express a lot of gratitude, enjoy God's blessings, and uh, not be up and down according to what's happening around me.
0: You know, you've been a lead pastor for 31 years, which is amazing. And and I, I was reading on your site, you know, helping people lead, dream, and flourish. When you think of the word flourish, how does that play into how you lead? When you think about the people, you look out at their faces every week. The great parts, we're going to be talking about your new book, which is going to get into the hands of people you'll never meet. And that's one of the beauties of books. But when you look out and see your people, when you think of what a flourishing life looks like, what does that look like to you?
1: Well, what comes to mind is John chapter 10, verse 10, which mm-hmm. is, which is the the theme message in our church for many, many years. And it's, uh, it, it's part of the benediction. I pray over the congregation every Sunday. I particularly like John chapter 10, verse 10 is where Jesus promised abundant life or life in all its fullness. But I particularly like Eugene Peterson's Uh, translation of john chapter 10 verse 10 where he said jesus promised us real and eternal life more and better life than you ever dreamed of Mm. and this is what that's the take that i have about what it means to flourish and this is a huge theme of what we do at the life christian church is we are trying to lead people to more and better life than they ever dreamed of and um and so you know what is what is what does it mean to flourish it means to live the life god dreamed for you hmm. so how do you how do you discover what that is what is the life god dreams for me and you know that that both has meaning in terms of who someone is and what they're doing every day and what their goals are and so on but it, it also has to be connected to God's dreams for the world. Mm. So for us to live our God dream life, it can't just be about us. That's not the kind of life God dreamed for us. It's about him. It's about his purposes. It's about uh, uh, living the life specifically he designed for you. It's about doing what you were made to do. And then experiencing the joy of that, the deep sense of meaning that comes from that and the blessings that God provides along the way to help you fulfill your destiny.
0: You know, I I just couldn't stop thinking about, you know, your your new book that's coming out, The Lord Bless You, this new devotional, so good. And, And when I think of flourishing and I think of the blessing of the Lord in our lives, where did the whole concept and the phrase bless you where did that come up for you and why is it so meaningful for you? What, what captured you to make you want to write about it?
1: Well, first of all, um, so there, there are two answers to that. Um, I think the one most relatable, most people is the second thing I'll say about it, but the, but the real genesis of this whole thing was studying Genesis Mm. and, um, noting that um that the very first interaction between God and humanity Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 it says God blessed them hmm. and then this theme continues to to reoccur in Genesis and then as I started studying it I noted it's reoccurring throughout all of scripture, ending in the last chapter of Revelation, where it talks about the curse being removed, which the curse was the canceling of the blessing. And, um, and then reading scholars, actually, who, who uh, you know, very conservative, biblically-based scholars who were saying that uh, the theme of scripture might be God's attempt to bring people back into the blessing that he intended in the beginning. Hmm. So the more I started thinking about this, you know, then there, I started exploring a lot of things and I got fascinated with this idea that whenever anyone sneezes, at least in this part of the world, it wasn't like this in Indiana where I'm from, but I'm in the New York, New York city metropolitan area now for 31 years. If anyone sneezes, everyone around them says, bless you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really what a nice thing actually, but where did it come from? well it actually came from uh at least in in western civilization its origin every, by the way every culture has a way of wishing sneezer as well but really? in, 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 yeah every culture has a way of wishing s- sneezer as well it's an odd <laughs> thing it's crazy but um but in western culture there was an epidemic of the bubonic plague in AD 600 and one and and people dying uh all over the place from it. And one sign that someone might be sick with the plague is if they would sneeze. And so Pope Gregory issued an edict and, and uh, uh, demanded that anytime anyone sneezed, that the people around them say a prayer. And the prayer was, the prayer was simply God bless you. And that's where this whole idea of bless you came from. well, I started matching that to what I was studying in scripture and, and just kind of saw it in at least what for me is an interesting way. And other people found it compelling as well. And that is that God said, bless you to humanity, even knowing that they were about to get sick, that he stood there in the garden and he looked at the first man and the first woman and he blessed them. And he did that knowing that in a relatively brief amount of time, at least in God's time, that they were going to choose to go their own way; they were going to, in effect, reject the blessing He intended and receive on themselves a curse. But God blessed them, knowing they would get sick, and He had already prepared a cure for their sins. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the the thinking that led to this book. The Lord bless you. Uh, is just understanding that that's God's heart for humanity. That's that's right. is, that is is—that is in God's very nature. He is determined to have a relationship with people that can be viewed through the lens of blessing.
0: You know, I heard a great leader a long time ago make this statement. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What changes about us when we see God wanting to bless us. We don't see God wanting to slap us with a ruler. We don't see God wanting to chase us in the corner and put us in timeout. But we begin to see the Lord from the very beginning of Scripture all the way through the end, that thin thread that runs through the end. What can change about us as believers if we see God that way?
1: I think it changes everything about our life, everything about our life. When we live in a relationship to God with an expectation that he wants to bless us. Uh, it it changes our attitude about everything. And, and, and it also is essential for us to have faith in God and in what God says he wants to do, because faith ultimately, of course, is what connects us to God. The thing he asks of us primarily is, believe me. And, uh, on Mm. the basis of our faith, we're declared right with God. And on the basis of our faith, we, we are postured to receive all the blessings that he has for us in our life. But we have to believe if we, if we live with a fundamental sense that God is angry at us or whatever, anything less than having a desire for us to live a full flourishing life, then, uh, it affects our faith and our ability to connect with God and for God to do in our lives the things he wants to do.
0: I think it's so easy to hear the word blessing and go, okay, so life's going to be perfect. And you make it pretty clear early in the book. In fact, you made the statement, God wanted for us in the beginning, what, what God wanted for us in the beginning does not mean that life is perfect. Why is it important for us when we think about blessing to to not go, okay, that means I'll never be sick, my car will never run out of gas. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna have a bad day. How does blessing wrap into even the imperfect times of life?
1: Well, because of the fall, we are blessed in the context of a fallen world.
0: Mm,
1: now that's very good. We're on our way. You know, theologians talk about us being in a stage called the already, but not yet. I mean, everything that God ever will do for us has already been made possible by what Jesus did in his death uh, and resurrection and exaltation. But um, the fact is that we we experience those things only in part now. And um, this is just the reality of life. The reality of life is that... Um, that there was a curse and that God is at work through history to bring us into everything he wanted for us in the beginning, but that's still being worked out in time. Mm -hmm. And that's not a, you know, that kind of theoretical explanation is not helpful to someone who's going through a tremendously difficult time in their life. Um, But the, the reality is we are blessed in the context of a fallen world.
0: How long did it take you even being a pastor to grapple with that, to grapple with, because you, you're you like me, we get front row seat to not only the pain in our own lives, but the pain in other people's lives. And it's, it's hard. Somebody not in ministry probably doesn't understand it quite the way you and I have a, we've both been at this for a long time. How long did it take you to grapple with that there is a blessing even in the toughness of
1: this world i'm still grappling mm, that's good. Yeah, i'm grappling today um i understand it intellectually but you know part of our faith journey is that we're constantly trying to get truth in our mind and then get the truth in our mind into our hearts and you know that's a process and a journey for me as well i i'm i'm watching my dad right now who's uh, lived an incredibly full and blessed life. I'm watching him suffer from Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I just saw a wonderful woman in our congregation pass away after a long struggle with with ALS. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I buried an irreplaceable friend. This is part of the reality of our lives, and, and I grapple with this, but I, I know that that um, we have access to things that are profoundly beautiful and wonderful now. And I also know that the fullness of that isn't going to be realized until the age to come. But, you know, the, the thing I, I love to say is whatever God, so, so so a big part of my whole thing, Mike, is I think a lot about Genesis and Eden, and I think about how the first few chapters of Genesis describe to us, Tell the story, God's story about how how He wanted the world to work and what happened to cause it not to work so well. But everything is about uh, bringing Genesis again, mm. bringing Eden again. That you know, in the end, we end up with this Garden City, Eden restored, where the where the world is again the way God wanted it to be, and where humanity is functioning in that world just like He wanted. That's intended right. Adam and Eve to function in the beginning. But when we think about that future, I, 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 I like to talk about, we need to think from the future back, you know, I'm a leadership guy. So, you know, when you think about planning, you always, you're thinking from the future back, how does, how's what I'm doing today, help me get to the future that I envisioned. But I also think we need to think from the past back. We need to think, Genesis in the beginning, and we need to think Genesis in the end, or Eden in the beginning and Eden in the end, and live our lives according to God's intention and what we'll have, and whatever good thing God's promised in the age to come, we taste it now. Mm. We don't fully, we don't perhaps we don't fully eat it, but we taste it now, and we see signs of what, what God wants for us ultimately in our lives every day, but it's not fully here. Sorry for the long-winded no, answer. No, listen, here.
0: I think that is as well as I've ever heard that said. You know, you're just coming off the, the wedding of one of your sons, and I was looking at all the pictures, the amazing pictures you guys put out, and that is just such a special thing. But when you think about it's just the appetizer for what's to come. It's the appetizer of what lies on the other side, even though we will be blessed here, and God will give us blessings here. It is so good. I think you said that, Pastor Terry, in an incredible way. You know, you you took the book and you divided it in four sections. How did you, and we're going to sort of walk through and get little highlight, little flyovers of each of of these sections, what made you break it up like you did? What was your process going on to divide it up like you did?
1: Well, the title of the book is The Lord Bless You, A 28-Day Journey to Experience God's Extravagant Blessings. The reality is my publisher chosen a d- division of Baker just did a wonderful job actually helping me conceive how to deliver this message Good. in a way where it's delivered in bite-sized pieces for people where they actually could read a, a section a day. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, a chapter a day there are 28 mm-hmm. chapters divided into four sections. So they could read a, a chapter a day over four weeks and and just immerse themselves in this this truth of God's desire to bless us and learn how to uh, receive those blessings and to be a, a, an agent of blessing in their world. So I've, I thought about it in terms of four weeks really and, and another part of it, Mike is I thought about it from the perspective of a pastor and how I would preach it and I you know we've, we've put together a sermon series that um, it's a four week series. And, uh, I I just thought, how, how would I want to progress in terms of thinking if I were delivering this to my congregation? And, and I, and I really wrote, wrote it as not just with the individual reading it in mind. I also wrote it frankly with a pastor in mind who might want to take it and preach it. And then, uh, we, we have a number of uh, churches in January, 2023, who are joining with us around the country and doing twenty eight days of blessing?
0: That's so good. You know, all those links will be in our show notes. And I, you did a, you really did do a great job of dividing it up, but also taking the reader on a journey. You didn't just stay in Genesis one. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a line that you walk. Even and you hit, you hit in Ephesians. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Going even almost back to what we just talked about, what does that mean, and how do you see it seep into who we are now? What would you say, what Paul wrote?
1: Well, so first of all, when Paul talks about the heavenly realms in Ephesians, of course, he's not talking about heaven uh, where God now has his headquarters, uh, which is a real place. He's talking there about the, the the world of spirit reality around us the environment around us and uh when he talks about there being he said we have every spiritual blessing through jesus christ in the heavenly realms and i imagine in my mind that in the world around us in the world of spirit reality there exists every blessing that god's planned for us and it, that could be you know the the peace that comes through our faith in Jesus that uh uh is described as shalom everything working together in our life the way it is meant to be mm-hmm. or it could be uh it could be the financial provision i need to get through next week or to achieve some great goal in my life every whatever spiritual blessing you can possibly conceive is already extant in the world of spirit reality. And I believe that um, when we when we know that and expect that, that we can access those things and those things come into our life as uh, the real and lived and uh, impact everything in our lives.
0: Do you think sometimes we minimize what God could do? Do you think we almost... Short change what his power could be and not plug in completely to what he has.
1: I think I would say for most of us, the answer would be we always minimize. We always minimize. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I just finished a series walking through a number of parables, and uh, I, I, I did a teaching. Uh, on the the parable of the the friend at midnight who goes and knocks on the neighbor's door and and asks for bread and Jesus is f- uh, following a teaching where he's teaching about what we call the Lord's Prayer with his parable and it it talks about how that this guy got what uh, he asked for because of his shameless audacity mm-hmm. and. I've been, I've been thinking a lot in connection both to the, that recent series, but to this book and to the message of this book about what it would be like to live with shameless audacity. It's clear Jesus is saying that that's what God wants from us in relationship to us asking him for things. Shameless audacity. You know, why Why do people um, minimize what God wants to do, and not see themselves as, let's say, worthy of God doing those things in their lives. I think it's because we default to shame. I'm going to go off on another rabbit trail. I'm sorry, Mike. No, this is great. We we default to shame. And we default to shame because of what happened in the beginning. God says, I want to bless you. Humanity said, you know, we, we're going to do our own thing. And then immediately they experience for the first time shame. And they attempt to cover their shame uh, with fig leaves. And God makes a sacrifice that that covers their shame, which of course is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did on the cross. But I think we live, many of us, with a sense of shame before God that causes us to do all kinds of things to try to cover our shame. And we cannot see ourselves as being worthy of receiving God's blessings. Now, on one hand, we know we're not, but that's the beauty of grace. The reason we should see ourselves as worthy of being loved by God is because he decided that we're worthy of being loved. And that's a decision he made. And so consequently, I need to believe then that I am worthy of being loved. While I was yet a sinner, God demonstrated his love for us, love for me. And um, the shame thing, um, you know, it's kind of interesting right now. uh, Someone like Brene Brown uh, is impacting people profoundly through her books. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that her, her, education is as a shame researcher Mm. Mm. and and she talks about how um that at the root of a lot of our issues is the issue of shame she doesn't connect it to you know genesis but um i would simply say that i've come to believe that at the root of many of our issues is this idea of shame and to get back to the question you asked, maybe it was 10 minutes ago now, uh, <laughs> is, is I, I think we should be approaching God with shameless audacity. Mm-hmm. We just need to be in a place where we see ourselves like the first Adam standing there and God saying, I want to bless you. And we know that through Jesus Christ, the curse has been removed. We have no need to live in shame, but we need to live with an expectation that God really wants to do what he said he wants to do in our lives. And that
0: ties into one of your chapters. One of my favorite things in the book was when you talked about the church of the rooster in the Holy land and why it irritated you, because I don't know if there's a character in scripture uh, better or more like all of us than Simon Peter. Why did the church of the rooster and that's, I think it ties into shame really well. Why did that irritate you that there's a church named after this awful place in his journey? Talk about that
1: a little bit. Yeah, so so there's this beautiful church just outside the walls of Old City Jerusalem called the Church of the Rooster, uh, translated into English as the Church of the Rooster, that memorializes the rooster crowing uh, and exposing Simon Peter in his, in his denial of Jesus. And, um, there's actually a a rooster on top of the church. And then there's a, there's a really beautiful, uh, sculpture of Peter standing at that charcoal fire, Mm. denying Jesus, uh, three times. And it is a memorial the greatest failure in his life that's right and i just you know who when they think of simon peter f- thinks first of all about the greatest failure of his life i, I don't mm-hmm. i i i love the fact that 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 simon peter is revealed in all of his humanity throughout the gospels culminating in that but i think about you know I think about the restored Simon Peter. I think about Simon Peter, one of the greatest figures in human history. And um, it just, truly, I'm standing there posting a a tour in Israel and I found myself getting angry at the Church Mm, of the Rooster. mm. But see, that's that's how, that's what a lot of people do. They remember, they memorialize their failures and they live in shame. And that, you know, is not what God wants for us.
0: I love that. You even think when Jesus came back and in the famous line, go find my disciples and Peter, go find Simon Peter. He didn't name all the other guys, but he did name him because he didn't want him to live where Simon Peter found himself. That was a profound chapter. And I thought it was so good. And then you go on in, in the second part and you talk about purpose and blessing. So, all of our lives have a purpose behind them. How does the blessing and purpose work together? What would you say?
1: This might be my favorite part of the whole thing, Mike. Um, so the first section of the book is blessing. Uh, the first seven chapters are seven days or, or week. And then the second section is purpose. So Genesis chapter 1, 28, God blessed them. And then immediately he then purposes them. He tells them what their, what their job is, what he designed them to do. And they're supposed to now uh, take the, the beauty of Eden and spread it to the entire planet, and govern the earth in partnership with and under the authority of God. Um, and um, so, in my view, there is a direct connection, an inextricable link between blessing and purpose that is to say that we cannot live a truly blessed life unless we're doing what god made us to do
0: if more people saw their vocation you and i think it's easy to look and go oh yeah yeah they're doing they're they're in ministry but if you're biz because you are you love business leaders i love business leaders athletic leaders if they all began to see what they did vocationally as part of the purpose and the way that God designed them, what could change about faith in America, uh, where we're headed in America? What, what would you say?
1: Well, I think all of us have. Uh, I think there's a general calling to every person. Essentially, we're we were all made to do what Adam and Eve were made to do. Mm-hmm. Big picture. General reality, but within that, we each have a calling. And um, you know, for me, I, I feel called to be in vocational ministry. But I've seen other people, a number of people, who have been called to to build successful businesses, yeah. or to coach athletic teams, or um, to play athletics, and to link what they're doing in their vocation to what God's doing in the world. And I think all of us can make that connection um, I talk a lot about this actually there's a there's a a theory uh that I posited in, in two books ago and then write about in the hospital leader write about again in in the Lord bless you called area of destiny mm. and um Jack Welch former chairman of uh General Electric, of course, and his wife, Susie, uh, former editor of the Harvard Business Review, actually heard me speak and they heard me speak on this subject and I got an email that day from Susie saying that this was her and Jack's new favorite idea and they ended up, I just heard from Susie a couple weeks ago, she just did another speech on Area of Destiny. Wow. She said it, She said it was the best, it's the best career idea that she had heard in a long time. Now, she wasn't talking about this from a pastoral perspective. She was talking about this from her Harvard Business Review and Jack's actually they do a class on it in Jack Welch's uh uh MBA program uh mm. now but anyway it's the it's the area of destiny is the intersect of of uh mission you know what what how what has god wired me to do in this world passion what do you love to do and gifting uh, and, and I always take gifting a little further and say it's not enough just to have a gift. You have to have the discipline to make it a skill as well that allows you to make a unique contribution in that area. But area of destiny, if, you, if there was a Venn diagram, it's the merging of mission, passion, and gifting. Mm. And um, I think every person has to ultimately answer the question, what was I made for? That's right. What is my unique place in this world? How do I play my indispensable role? And I think they find it somewhere when they ask the hard question, you know, what is, my, what is God, how is God's mission in this world being fulfilled through who I am and what I do? I think, you know, I, I pastor a lot of wall street people somehow or another, that wall street person has to figure out how is selling stocks and Help and and I am able to articulate to to those folks how what they're doing can contribute to God's mission in this world. Ultimately, they have to answer that question. That's right. And, and then you know, what do you love to do, and what did God gift me to do?
0: I love your I love the phrase. In fact, I highlighted in my notes. You have an indispensable role to play in this world. You know that God has equipped you, wired you in a way He hasn't done anybody else. And if you don't play that role it's not going to get played. And that is so good. And that, that your, your blessing and purpose section was just profound and simple in a lot of ways. And I even liked how you went in and talked about spiritual resistance training and there's things in this world that are working against us that make us stronger. That was really, really good. The, your next section on people Why is it so important we don't just become receivers that we go, yes, I want the Lord to bless me. Yes, I want to be blessed. But we understood we're blessed to be a blessing. What's the transformational piece of that?
1: Well, again, it connects to the original idea blessing and purpose are inextricably linked. God didn't just say, hey, Adam and Eve, I I, I want to really make you happy. He said, I want to make you really happy, but I want this to be done as you partner with me in doing what I'm doing in the world. And a big part of that then has to do as you move forward through scripture with um, partnering with God through what he wants to do in the world by being agents of blessing. Mm-hmm. So God, God wants to bless people. How does he bless people? Well, primary way he blesses people is through us through That's people. Right. And uh, I think that there are a lot of ways that, God can't do what he wants to do because he set it up to do it through people. And if people aren't cooperating with him in it, then it's not happening. And so, of course, you look at Genesis chapter 12 when you know God starts his restoration project on the planet with Abraham and uh, calls him out of everybody in the world and says, hey, I, I'm going to do in you and through you what I wanted to do in Adam. And he says, I'm going to bless you And I'm going to bless the world through you. Mm. And I think that's part of all of our calls. I think that's part of our covenant that God, it's never, listen, the whole blessing thing is never just about us. That's right. We will not live blessed lives if we think that we are uh, the end all of God's desire to bless. It, It just, it doesn't happen. He, he wants to bless us, and he wants to bless the world through us.
0: You, and you did a great job even talking in one of those chapters on, it's not just blessing our children, which is a whole nother thing we could go down. We're not, but blessing our children, blessing those that we love. But Jesus even said to bless our enemies. In the in, For spiritual leaders that are listening to that, and that's our audience, and the business world, the athletic world, why is it so important for them to understand this blessing's not for just those you like, but it may be for those, it may be for the person in your booster uh, at your university that's working actively against you and trying to get you out. Why is it important for us to see it from Jesus's vantage point?
1: I had a, I had a woman say something to me, very interesting. She uh, was had gotten into an adversarial relationship with her husband. Mm. She found herself praying really against him. You know, She thought she had a righteous position as to, and, and, and from what I understand the story, she actually did. She had reasons to be really angry at her husband. And she said that she felt that inner voice of the Holy Spirit say to her, bless him, don't curse him. Mm. And, she was reminded of the words of Jesus to bless your enemies. And so she started praying that God would bless her husband. Knowing so, so what she said in her mind, what she felt uh, she was supposed to bless him is, I don't want to bless him. I want him to get right. And, and she felt like God said to her, and this is in alignment with scripture, that God said to her, if I bless him, he will get right. In other words, part of his being blessed is getting right. I define blessing as to be blessed is to be in harmonious relationship with God, who wants to do good in us, to us, and through us. So, if someone is blessed, that means that they they come into harmonious relationship with God. And um, so, if if I'm praying for an adversary, someone opposing me, to be blessed, I'm I'm praying that they're going to come into right relationship with God. And I'm praying that that they will be in a place where God will go, do good in them, which has to do with working on stuff in their life, to them and through them. And sometimes the, the, the enemy I blessed ends up being so blessed that they become a blessing to me. That's
0: profound. And that, that's something you don't hear a lot about either. We, we sort of, that's in the, that's in the uh, fine print of the, of the living out for Jesus manual, but yet that's the power of the release it gives you, because it does change your heart when you begin to pray that God would bless them. It is, and it begins to, I know there's a a classic book we use all the time by RT Kendall, on uh total forgiveness. And he says in there, you do not totally forgive till you pray for that person you're you are asking forgiveness for to be blessed. And that's usually where people put the book down and they go, man, I ca- I can't get there yet. And that's a that's a profound that is a profound thought there. And you move into wrap the book and it's so timely. We're coming out of a season of Thanksgiving when you and I are talking gratitude is just such a built-in piece of this time of year. And and it's the last chapter you talked about, and you talked about the shift that happened to you when you focused on who God was, not just what he had done for you. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I was, um, I was in a season, I don't know, five or six years ago where um, some of the things that I wanted weren't happening uh, at least not in, in the way I wanted them to or as quickly as I wanted them to and I found myself a little discouraged. well I, I actually I went through a season of uh, maybe even bordering on, a, on a, being a, a little depressed mm. and um, and I, and, I, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and uh, there was a, a psalm that came into my mind where it, it says uh, where God says, I am your cup of blessing. And I I felt like that he needed me to say that he was enough for me. And um, I can't remember the entirety of the scripture at that time, but the idea is that, that, let, let me back up and say this. A part of what I also felt impressed by was so many amazing things had happened in my life. But I, the nature of leaders like us, Mike, type A kind of guys, is we're always looking toward the next thing. And um, it's, it's, it's like I felt like God was saying to me, you just need to stop and be grateful for what you already have. And you need to be grateful for who I am and who I am to you. And... The experience is that if we acknowledge God as our cup of blessing, you know, the cup runs over, right? That um, uh, who he is pours out into our lives in all kinds of ways. So that was just a really important thing for me to to stop asking for more, which I believe I'm ultimately supposed to ask for. But at that time, I just needed to stop and say, you know what? You are enough for me.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, you'll have your moment that Simon Peter had when he was on the shore. When Jesus was on the shore warming his hands, getting ready to feed Simon Peter, and he's out fishing, and Simon Peter jumped off the boat and got to have his moment. When when Pastor Terry gets to have his moment with the Lord, when it's just you and you and Jesus, Him knowing all your frailties, all your faults your people at church seeing you on all your best days, but him knowing you in all your worst days. What do you want to tell him one day for how he's blessed you? What do you want to say to him for the, the gifts that he's given in your life? What would you say?
1: Pretty simple answer. I hope it's not disappointing, Mike. Thank you. I mean, really, really, the only appropriate response to bless you is thank you. And, um, I think cultivating an attitude of gratitude, living an attitude of gratitude, um, is just so essential to, uh, living a flourishing life. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I have trouble. I have trouble, um, my kids, it's a big thing in our family that, that I'm not a very good gift receiver. Um, my wife, on the other hand, could teach a master's class in how to receive a gift. It doesn't matter what you give her; it's the, and she's sincere about it. The most wonderful, she just she knows how to make the other person feel great. Well, I don't know why I I tend to feel awkward in the moment. I, I am grateful. I don't know how to express it very well. And when when that happens, you deny the gift giver the pleasure Mm. of having given the gift. And I think one way that we bless God is by is by receiving his gifts and receiving his gifts gratefully. And uh, I've tried to learn to not only be a cheerful giver, but how to be a cheerful receiver.
0: Wasn't that so good You know, there's a word that he uses in his uh, bio online that he seeks to help people flourish. You know, when we get concepts like this, it helps us flourish in life and leadership. And I know this, you know a lot of people around you that need what Pastor Terry shared I hope that you'll take time to share this episode, leave a rating and review on iTunes. I know lots and lots and lots of people listen, but man, every time you leave a rating on Spotify or iTunes, it does help us find people that need, need books and lessons like this from Pastor Terry. Man, I hope you enjoyed that. He is so refreshing to me. Every time I get off the phone with him, I just feel better about life. Number one, he's in the same industry I'm in, and he's a little further down the road. And man, I just learned so much about leadership and life from people like Pastor Terry. Mm, So good. Well, our next episode is coming out next Monday. So buckle up. We've got Andy and Sandra Stanley. Andy is the pastor at North Point Community Church, probably one of the most influential leaders in our country and he and his wife have written a book called parenting getting it right and it is absolute gold i have told so many people about this book already and just the principles in there i'm on the i'm on the other side of parenting like andy and sandra are and i tell you what man The things he lays out, I sure wish I'd have had as a a playbook as we were living the life of parenting. It is going to be so good. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Now, go be the leaders that you were created to be in the spaces and places that God has put you. Can't wait to see you again next Monday.